Welcome to the Left MN Radio Hour, sponsored by Left.MN, the Minnesota website that leans left. I'm Aaron Clems with co-host Tony Petrangelo, and on today's show, we talk about the news of the week, make a really, really big announcement, and we talk baseball with Stealing Home podcast host David Temple. But first, the weekly wrap. This week, Tony watched the gif of Nick Punto walking to first or striking out in the World Baseball Classic over and over and over again, and suddenly had a revelation. It contained hidden Minnesota political news stories. He put them in the weekly wrap. So what did you detect in Nick Punto's disgusted facial expressions, Tony? Was was this uh, when he he played for Team Italy, right? Right. Is that, okay, yes. I actually think I watched this game. I didn't see the GIF though. Yeah, somebody just looped it over. Okay, and I, over. I saw. Yeah, I saw <laughs> the game. He, he looked very despondent after that at bat. Yes, he was not happy. No, it was a strike. It, well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, but it's not like Twins fans have ever seen Nick Punto like try to draw a walk and then fail to do so and get disgusted and. Hey, Nick Punto it. leads okay. the league in grittiness, man. That that is a stat that is not quantifiable. <laughs> well, hey, it's like ultimate zone rating or something for grittiness. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so this week, uh, Michelle Bachman made her triumphant return. Oh, did she, uh, her return? I don't know. I mean, she's so been, return to to relevance. She's been sitting kind of you know in the shadows, shall we say, since the election. She's been very quiet. Everyone's talking about her new tone or her lack of. Yes, media presence to the degree that Michelle Bachman can, can be quiet. But yeah, I mean, you're you're right. This was the uh, this was the thing everybody was talking about was uh, the new Michelle Bachman and had she changed and had she turned over a new leaf? Was she going to be a, a kinder, gentler Michelle Bachman going forward? And, and the answer is absolutely not. No, no, of course not. She's still <laughs> Michelle Bachman. Yeah, so she she got busted from uh, a couple of fact checking operations on a couple of claims that she made. Um, one was that well, a whole bunch of reasons why this White House is the most wasteful White House ever. Yeah, like they, well, you know. The $1.4 billion White House. Trillion. Trillion. Yeah. <clears throat> the interesting part is that somebody broke that down and noted that the Bush presidency. Was actually, a $1.6 yeah. trillion dollar presidency. So actually we've been saving money. Yes. And you got to arrive at that number by including things like Secret Service and all sorts of ancillary things that, well, you know. Secret Service is not ancillary. I mean, that's. Are, are we really well, saying now that I, we should I just said like secret leave? service and all sorts of ancillary oh, I'm, things? I'm not talking. I'm not talking about what, you're, what you said, Tony. But I'm pointing out that the idea that things like oh, I don't know, protecting the leader of the free world from being assassinated is wasteful spending, is perhaps some of the most ludicrous stuff that's come out of Michelle Bachman's mouth in a while. Well, yeah, five chefs on Air Force One or something like that. I mean, this is all the same kind of reheated. Junk, you see, every yeah. time. You know, and, and stuff like that, it's like, okay, there's, there might be five chefs employed. Right. You know, so, like, they don't always all ride on Air Force One at the same time, I would imagine. You know, maybe some, some of them have other stuff going on. And, and by the way, staffers have to pay 20 bucks if they eat on Air Force One. Oh, well, we, there, we there you go. This is what FOIA requests are for. <laughs> um, and the other one that you... Uh, I mean, this is the one that really bugged me, was the 70% of food stamps. Yes, go. This, is, this is ridiculous. I mean, you know, and... It, and so it, basically she said, yeah, uh, 70 cents out of every dollar uh, that goes to help the poor actually goes to line the pockets of government bureaucrats, is basically what she said. Yeah. Like, government bureaucrats are, are, are lighting their cigars with $100 bills and kicking back in their barca loungers and... Uh, and riding their Bentleys home and stuff like that. I mean, this is... Well, I mean, so uh, the, the facts of this are really interesting, too, because this comes from a figure, I forget the name of the guy, um, 
I think it was a Heritage Foundation speech, and it was in a book that where he said 70, 70 cents out of every dollar uh, for poverty reduction programs go to people other than poor people. And by that, he means things like Section 8 vouchers don't go to the poor, but they go to landlords. And by that logic, I suppose she's right that food stamps don't actually go to the poor. They go to grocery stores. Yes. You know, to buy food for poor people. Yes. So, yes, so I mean, that's a standard. I don't know exactly. She, she's <laughs> decrying the efficiency of the system. Yeah, which, by the way, is enormously efficient. In fact, the uh, the overhead on the food stamp, the federal food stamp program, is 0.6%. Yes. Um, and this is the same people that think that the Medicaid program, she said that the Medicaid program was, what did she say about it? It was, oh, man. Uh, but, but the thing is, this stuff is so easy to debunk. This stuff is so easy to prove false that the only explanation is a willful disregard for the truth. Or that she knows that she'll be debunked and that she be- she thinks she benefits from the fact that, you know, the media will actually fact check her. I mean, there's only two possibilities. One is she doesn't think anyone will ever fact check her uh, and then is surprised by the fact that she is. Or she knows that some of, the- some of this is going to happen and she actually looks forward to being fact checked by the Washington Post and the St. Petersburg Times fact check.org, you know, an Annenberg Center or whatever it is. Um, and she thinks that this does that benefits her. So she's doing she's doing the fact checker judo. Psych. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> she's it's just like she's trying to take their energy and reverse it on. <laughs> exactly. She's like, you know, you come at you come at me with your your weight, and I just throw it over the shoulder. <laughs> oh, uh, Michelle Bachman. So does this mean that she's running for Senate now again? Well, <laughs> I'm I've I've been skeptical of that, and the fact that she's she's latched onto this massive infrastructure project that benefits her district specifically, the sixth district, and not any other issue that would benefit the entire state, leads me to believe that. No, she's not running for Senate, and she's hampering down and trying to win re-election in the 6th. Yeah, and we know that Graves is probably going to run again. Yeah. I mean, he's been talking. He hasn't made any official announcement, but it sure sounds like he's preparing to run again, and he came within a couple thousand votes last time, so she's got to take that as a serious threat. Um, but the idea of her winning a statewide race is ridiculous. Oh, it's, There's yes. No, it's, re, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I would welcome... A Michelle Bachman candidacy for Senate because it would make Franken a virtual lock for re-election. But it would be entertaining, though. I have to say, a Franken Bachman race, Bachman race has the advantage of being far more entertaining than a Franken Paulson race, for example. That that would yes. Yeah. You're listening to AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. This is the Left MN Radio Hour, and we're talking about the news of the week. Um, I'm Aaron Clemson, Tony Petrangelo, and we've been talking about the the madness of Michelle Bachman, um, and now we have other people to talk about the madness of the the really thin bench of the Republican Party and who's going to run for governor against Mark Dayton. Uh, and Dave Thompson, Senator Dave Thompson, former radio show host. Um, yes, he, he said he's, he's thinking about it. He's seriously, he's serious about thinking about Where it. Where does that put him on the scale? You have the Zero. He's at a zero? Yeah, he's at a zero. Then, but he's past the mentioner stage. Like, he's yeah, not, well, because he said he's thinking about he's it. He's thinking about it. Some, some random Yahoo didn't say that Dave Thompson was going to run. Dave Thompson himself. Said he was thinking about running. Has he hired anybody to to create a draft Dave Thompson movement yet? I don't know. That that'd that, be interesting. Is it the next out. stage in the Republican uh, nomination? Yeah, well, there's, yeah, there's there's the whole pageantry thing that you know I don't really care about. But yeah, as, as you mentioned, the weak bench, Rachel Sassenberger over at the Star Tribune's uh, politics blog ran down sort of the uh, I guess current top names who have been bandied about uh, as possibly running for governor. And uh, 
It's a pretty underwhelming list, to say the least. We got Scott Honor. Who nobody in Minnesota has ever heard of. But Republican activists probably love this guy. I, again, nobody. He's like Pete, Pete Hegseth. He has zero name recognition whatsoever in the state of Minnesota. We're giving him some right now. Let's stop. Well, there um, we go. Uh, Kurt Zellers. Who also has little name <laughs> He was Speaker of the House, and he has little name recognition. No, yeah. And his most distinguishing moment as a speaker was when he said he wanted the bill to pass, but he didn't want to vote for it on the Vikings stadium. Yes. That's, that's courage of leadership right there. Uh, then Julie Rosen, um, who is the sponsor of the bill to, for the Vikings. <laughs> yes. Which is not going to endear her to a lot of folks in the Republican Party and probably would make it almost impossible for her to win uh, endorsement, let alone a primary. Yeah, I, you got to think, too, the Vikings stadium might be the, the biggest cudgel anybody's going to have to wield against Mark Dayton come 2014, and she would be seeding that right from the get-go. And we have uh, insurance agent whom Senate Minority Leader David <laughs> Han, um, who would who could barely win in Eden Prairie, um, but would somehow he would, I, he would be slightly better as a statewide candidate than Michelle Bachman, but only slightly. And then lastly, Commissioner Jeff Johnson of Hennepin County, and the idea that a Hennepin County commissioner probably has the best pedigree of the bunch is a really sad commentary on the thinness of this bench. Well, and maybe that's. Uh, from my perspective, simply because he strikes me as the most, uh, I don't know, likable, moderate kind of one out of the bunch of them. But <laughs> yeah, but once again, no no name recognition whatsoever. Well, yeah, exactly. Except for the name Johnson yes. being very common. Uh, lastly, uh, in terms of news, uh, Greg Davids, Representative Greg Davids from Southern Minnesota, uh, had a campaign practices complaint filed against him this week for... Uh, writing letters to the editor in four different rural DFL districts, claiming what did he say again? Uh, 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 he was he was talking about uh, some procedural about the vote and somehow they voted, oh yeah uh, yeah it was they voted, it was, they for, voted raising for taxes so, they voted for raising taxes because they voted for uh, a committee a procedural voting committee yeah and and so they I mean I don't know what this OAA uh, Office of Administrative Hearings complained and all but the idea of Greg David sitting around. With a with a yellow legal pad, scrawling out notes. That's what got me about the story. Yeah, I mean the complaint seems sort of whatever, but yes, the idea that like it's a war. He's writing these editor. letters to the editor, right? Like he's not a constituent of the of these people. He's and, a and colleague. Him? And why him? Like it's not even a statewide leader or anything. It's just some random dude. <laughs> oh, you know? Greg Davis. Oh, it's so sweet. <laughs> Well, in the last couple, last minute or so, I want to turn to some news. We have an announcement to make, which is that the Left MN Radio Hour is going on hiatus for a while. Um, I have taken a position elsewhere, and it will probably it prevents me from continuing as the host of the show. And I wanted to thank everybody uh, for listening. First of all, uh, I want to thank Tony uh, for being the stalwart rock upon which this show has been built. Um, Steve, Tim, Steve Timmer, our contributor to Left MN as well, who was also a part of the radio hour for a good chunk of our run. And it's been a really great year. Um, but all things change. And it's spring. Great year for you. You got a sweet new gig. Oh, come on, man. It's been, I, 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 like I said, I, I love working with all these people and it's going to be terrible. It's going to be a terrible thing to miss it. But, and so in our next segment, we're actually going to turn to something besides politics. We're going to talk about the thing that spring brings baseball and baseball season and we'll have um we'll have a podcaster uh in here talking about this um david temple david temple thank you thank you for reminding me stoney uh so come on right back we're talking baseball for the rest of the hour
Welcome back to the Left of Men Radio Hour on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Oh, that's brings back memories, Tony. It really does. Okay. Yeah. Having grown up here in the Twin Cities, you know, I think in 87 and 91, but this might not be the same kind of year for the Twins. And to help us tease out some of the, uh, the changes on the Twins and other issues related to baseball, we've got um, uh, uh, pot Stealing Home podcast host David Temple with us today. Thanks for joining us in the studio. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, so, Tony, Tony knows a lot more about baseball than I do. I'm a fan, but I don't follow this as closely as he does. <laughs> so he's going to jump in and help us out here, too. But I just want to ask you, uh, who's going to be the opening day starter for the Twins? Well, it was supposed to be Scott Diamond. That was kind of the, the consensus pick because uh, he was certainly the strongest member of the rotation last year. But he is uh, going to be put on the shelf, at least for the beginning of the season, with bone spurs in his elbow. Uh, so I think, oh, this hurts me to say, but I think it's going to be Kevin Correa. I think Kevin, Kevin Correa is. Kevin Correa. Yeah. Uh, he's the, it's, well, he was it, their big free agent acquisition, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, big, put it in quotation marks. Well, it's, yeah, he got uh, two years and, what, $10 million? Um, but uh, he's he's one of Gardy's guys. It, I don't know. If that for sure, but he's a guy that that Ron Garnhart likes. He's a veteran. He throws strikes. He's the guy that they're going to want for opening day. As much as that hurts me to say, he's well, got he, grit. Yeah, he's got a lot of grit. Uh, he really goes after it. Uh, you he's know, a former All Star. I guess. Yeah, I don't know. He's a former Petco All Star. Well, there, there you go. <laughs> right. When you're on the Pirates, you know that there's somebody's got to go to the All Star game. Exactly. Exactly. He's um. Yeah, he was their big free agent acquisition, and he is uh, not terribly good. Uh, I mean, good for him. He got paid, you know, whatever. Uh, but uh, he's uh, he doesn't throw many strikes. He doesn't get uh, a whole lot of people out. Uh, and These uh, things are important for pitchers usually. Usually, yeah, especially starting pitchers. And he's kind of, he's getting up there. He's, you know, uh, on the wrong side of 30. But they, uh, he the Twins decided he was the best uh, option for him, so they gave him uh, a two-year deal. Which is, it's not even that they signed Kevin Correa; it's that they gave him a two-year deal. With the, I mean, the idea behind the Twins is that, or you know, at least the thing that they're pushing is that um, they're sort of in rebuilding mode, but it won't be long. It's not like the the Pirates' rebuilding mode, which has taken 25 years. Perpetual. Yeah, exactly. Have. They said, yeah, we're you know, the idea is we're gonna be a little stinky. And, you know, for the last two years and for this year, but we got a lot of good guys coming up. We're going to trade away some center fielders. We're going to get some young pitching talent. Exactly. Exactly. And it's going to come, you know, soon. But then they turn around and sign a guy like Correa, who is, if they're shooting for 2014, I don't see how they, how he fits into their plans, but. So who else is going to who else is going to fill out the roster on the starting uh, starting pitcher side to start the season? I mean, we've had so many injuries, and I, I, mean, I yeah. really want to run down just some of the injuries we've had. Uh, yeah, well, Diamond's a big one, and then uh, Baker left, and uh, Pavano hasn't resigned with anybody. Um, so they were two guys that won't be there next year. Pavano hasn't signed on with anybody. He um, he like ruptured his spleen shoveling snow. That was the craziest story. Yeah, and it was it wasn't just a a weird thing. Like, he was, like, in critical condition. Like, they pumped, took, like, 12 quarts of blood or something out yeah, of his he's chest shoveling, He's just shoveling in the snow. And uh, Carl Pavano, while maybe not uh, the best pitcher in baseball history, has certainly made a lot of money. And one would think he could pay, like, a high school kid 10 bucks to, <laughs> to shovel a snow. But, or have a snowblower? 
Yeah, or maybe buy a snowblower. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, yeah, those two guys are gone. So it looks like, to start off, it's going to be, geez, Kevin Correa and uh, Liam Hendricks. But is Pelfrey injured, too? Pelfrey, they say he's going to probably be ready. He thinks he's ready. Okay. Uh, he's been getting knocked around uh, a little bit in spring training. I don't put too much into spring training, but um, he actually could turn out to be okay. Uh, and then Worley? Yep, Vance Worley, who they got from uh, the Phillies. And then uh, I don't know who's going to be number Sam, Sam DiDuno? Is he going to be? It might be Sam DiDuno. He hurt himself, too, uh, in um, in the World Baseball Classic. He was pitching for Dominican Republic. Didn't everybody hurt themselves in the World Baseball Classic? Yeah, that was. Um, that's always one thing people bring up. Uh, I really like I like the World Baseball Classic. There are a lot of haters, uh, but I think it's cool. Um just as a baseball fan, you know, first of all, it's baseball in March, so that's pretty great. And um, But it's cool to see, you know, other teams really get into it more than uh, Americans might think. But, yeah, he um, he hurt himself. I forgot what it was. But, yeah, uh, there's a few other guys that went out. Uh, I believe it was Jose Reyes went out with uh, some well, sort Han- of Hanley Ramirez, I think, oh, that's with what a thumb was. thing. Or yeah, it was Hanley Ramirez with a thumb. Yeah, yeah, I get those two confused a lot. But, um, but it... it did you know I'll probably be back, and he might fill out the fifth spot. The nice thing about baseball in April is that you can pretty much go with a four-man rotation because you have enough off days. So you can, you well, know, get guys If we have this much snow on the ground, we may have a lot more off days. I mean, I know that they've got a heated field at Target Field, but, I mean, it's April 1st is the opening day. and Yeah, it's, you know. it's going to be brutal. <laughs> it's going to be. Uh, the, the grass will be green, theoretically. It won't be snow because, yeah, they have those, you know, heated coils or whatever under the field. But, um yeah, I'm flashing back to, it wasn't even that long, maybe two, three years ago in Cleveland when they got snowed out on opening. And it wasn't just snowed out, it was blizzard. Because, like, snow, theoretically, you could play through because it doesn't fall that hard, you know, whatever, and it's not a, a huge deal. But it was a straight-up blizzard in Cleveland, and uh, they had to call the game and make it up, you know, months later. So I don't know what's going to happen. Hopefully it doesn't snow. It'll still be cold, but uh, it'll uh, it'll hopefully be snow-free on the field. Yeah, well... Uh, you're listening to AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. I'm Aaron Clems, and uh, Tony Petrangelo and I are talking to David Temple, who's the host of Stealing Home, which is a podcast that's available online, uh, about Twins baseball. We're throwing a change up today. Uh, no politics. We're just talking about baseball. Um, so that, that is, I believe, the Twins' favorite pitch, too, if, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> the change-up. The change-up. <laughs> uh, so we don't have any uh, – well, I mean, so we have a center fielder now uh, yeah. who's not – was who, well, except for well, maybe Darren Mastriani. I don't know, but we well, we traded away two center fielders. Yeah, Ben Revere and um, Denard Span. Yeah, the consensus is that'll be Aaron Hicks, uh, who is uh, one of the young guys who was drafted, you know, and he was young. And then they, um, he, the thing about the minors is that it, let's say you hit 300 at single A ball, and then you get promoted to double A and you hit 300 again, people think you you're, you're not getting any better. But it's a lot harder to hit 300 at double-A than at single-A. Uh, so he was kind of stuck in that where uh, people didn't think he was actually that good, you know. Uh, but he's uh, really turned it on uh, in, in spring training. Um, he has a crazy high OPS. Uh, you know, it's not sustainable, obviously. But it looks like, theoretically, he and, and Dare Mestrani are, are competing for the center field job. But um, it'll, it'll be him, I'm, I'm pretty sure. And so uh, He's also striking out a ton, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, you know that's going to come with young guys. Um, I suppose he was in Double A just last year, so you got to expect that. But. Right, right. But in Double A, I mean, even all through the minors, he was pretty good at taking his walks, which is something um, that 
piques people's interest when guys are young. If you can take your walks uh, at that level, then, um, you know, you think that you can fix the holes in your swing. So hopefully the strikeouts go down, but it's going to be him and then Willingham and left and then uh, probably um, Parmalee and right. I guess they're going to give him plate appearances and see what happens. And Ryan Domit kind of as a fourth. Yeah, Domit's going to be kind of an all. He'll probably play some first. He'll probably catch. Ugh. God, this is just depressing. Well, yeah, he'll uh, <laughs> he'll probably do some catching and maybe play some first, uh, depending on how Mar Morno pan out. Well, you know, we'll come back in a minute, and we'll hopefully we'll give people some hope, at least for the future. All right. Uh, because right now the present's looking kind of grim. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> All right, we're talking with uh, David Temple today, uh, baseball in spring, on the Left MN Radio Hour on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. Welcome back to the Left MN Radio Hour on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. We're sponsored by Left.MN, the Minnesota website that leans left. I'm Aaron Clems with Tony Petrangelo, and today we're talking baseball with David Temple, host of Stealing Home, a podcast that's available online. We'll have a link to that as well on our website, Left.MN. Um, and we're trying, we're looking for bright spots. We're looking for something, optimism. Right. You know, it's just, it's grim out there, man. We've got to do something that gives people hope. It's, it. <sighs> It hopefully won't be too bad. Uh, like I mentioned, Aaron Hicks in, in center. Um, at, people think he's going to actually turn out to be a, a pretty good player. Um, I'm interested to see what Chris Parmalee can do in right field because he's a guy who's been kind of mistreated almost as far as, like last year they would bring him up from, from AAA and he would sit on the bench at, for 15 games sometimes. And then he'd maybe get two at-bats in a pinch-hitting spot. And then they'd send him back down. And so he never had a really chance to prove himself. So um, if they're going to commit to him and right, give him 600 plate appearances, you know, at least you know what you got. You know, it's better than not knowing. And he might, he's got some pop. Um, well, you Trevor know. Plouffe kind of followed that model, too. Exactly. Right? Exactly, yeah. And uh, Trevor Plouffe, well, he probably won't, his numbers won't be as sustainable as they were last year, I don't think. Um, he and that, that tear been, he went on in the middle of the season was was insane. It was insane, and then he got hurt. Um, I believe it was a wrist injury, and then even when he came back, you could tell it just wasn't the same. And that's the that's the thing about, especially you know, um, wrist injuries and hitters or elbow injuries, shoulder injuries, and pitchers. Even when they come back, they're coming back and they're probably not 100. percent And so you know that affects that affects your performance. You know that's just going to be the way it is. But if you uh, get him a full season, he hopefully can do some stuff. Uh, more no. It's getting better. He's out, you know, he's gotten, he's gotten better since kind of putting those concussion symptoms, uh, behind him. Um, I don't think he's going to be MVP Morneau like he was, but, um, he could still be pretty good. And I mean, I hate to say it, but he could be a valuable trade chip, you yeah, know, come the, uh, trading deadline. Sorry. Yeah, it's hard to see that he's in their long-term plans. At this I, point. I can't imagine how, how he would be, um, People really like him there, and, you know, he's a good clubhouse guy, you know, which is something um, people put a lot of stock into. Um, but if, he, if he's a pretty good, you know, if he, if he turns out to be uh, almost back to where he was and they give him the right offer, you never know. I mean, you know, slugging first baseman, 
aren't as high a commodity as they were uh, a, a few years ago. You know, there's less and less of them. So, you know, if somebody makes the right offer, if they put a godfather out there, offer out there for them, you never know. But, I mean, in the past, the Twins have uh, traded away guys for for less than uh, a King's Ransom, certainly. Um, so you never know. They might get a, a ham sandwich for him and, you know, turn him around and trade him. But um, he, he could be okay, you know, and help help the team win, uh, and if not – you know, bring in some guys who could help the team win in, you know, next year or the year after that. Well, what do you make of, and we talked about him a little bit earlier, uh, Samuel Deduno, who last year, uh, I mean, I don't remember, was he a waiver claim from, of theirs? or? Uh, I believe so. it was either, I don't or think like it was minor a Rule league 5. agent or something? I think it was a waiver claim, because I think he's young enough where it wouldn't be uh, a, a minor league free agent. I'd have to check on that. But, yeah, he was a guy, I mean, whatever way they got him, they got him off the scrap heap pretty much. And he... He came in and he showed flashes of stuff. Um, he's got strikeout stuff, but he just walks too many people, and that was always his problem. He would, you know, he could strike out five and walk five, you know, uh, you know, in five innings. And um, but he uh, he seemed to show promise in the World Baseball Classic. He was pitching for the Dominican Republic, the the, the winners of this year's classic, and he pitched even in the final game. And you know, he was good for TV because he would do a lot of. Uh, Celebrating and, and gyrating and fist pumping, and he would get a strikeout or an out. Better not do that around Guardy. No, no, that's a very uh, that, that's not an American thing to do, especially when it's in the second inning. You know, <laughs> you strike a guy out. Maybe it's good for your team, but you don't you don't start just thrashing all over the place you know, and showing him up and, and fist pumping uh, for the camera and stuff. But yeah, he could be. He could be all right. He's a little bit of a wild card. If he can keep some of those strikeouts down, um, or excuse me, some of those walks down, and keep the strikeouts where they are. You know, he could be a serviceable uh, four or five guy, uh, but it all depends on on how good his control is. If he's turned it around, or if it's still if he's still going to be as wild as usual, and we just didn't see it uh, in the WBC because the the sample size is too small. So, uh, one another name that folks might not be familiar with is uh, Pedro Florman mm-hmm. at shortstop. I mean, Duh. yeah, um, and you know, moving Dozier over to second base seems to be the plan. I guess, yeah, it's going to be the Twins infield. I've I, I'm trying to remember the last year when we went into opening day, and I said, this is the Twins infield, and it's going to be this until the end of the season. You know what I mean? Like, this is our third base. We need J.J. Hardy back. Ex- oh, don't even give me – yeah, that's not even uh, – twist the knife, man. Twist the knife, Aaron. But, yeah, Pedro – There's one guy you can put pencil in at shortstop and go, that guy will be there all season. Yeah, here's a, here's a high on base percentage shortstop who can actually hit 280 and drive 20 to 25 home runs. Let's trade them for two, to the Orioles for two relievers that end up doing nothing. That yeah. seems like a great idea, just because he's not speedy enough. But um, yeah, Pedro Florimond, they got. He's uh, it's not going to be good. I don't think. I think <laughs> probably by depending on what Dozier does, they might he might stick at second, and they might put Carroll at short, um, and then Florimond might be a bench guy, or you know, if Plouffe gets hurt, then they could put Carroll at third. I mean, they have pieces to put there it's just none of the pieces are actually that terrific you know um left of first base second third and short is going to be kind of a uh, mix them up and i don't think any of the options are really going to be that great unless someone really steps it up out of nowhere yeah let's talk about let's talk about the future for god's sake please (laughs) it won't be that bad (laughs) yeah they got some young arms coming up too and that's that's part of the thing um uh alex myers and trevor mays well, no, Trevor it's, May. it's Meyer without an S. You're right. <laughs> Meyer and Mays, not May and my. Yeah, that's, uh, you're right. No, you're right. Um, but those are two guys they got in the off season, and they're supposed to be pretty, 
pretty um, you know high prospects, um, tall guys um, who are big into strikeouts, which is something that the Twins haven't been into for a while. They they kind of subscribe to this idea that um, we'll sign pitchers that put the ball over the plate, throw strikes, you know, and put the and the when the hitters put the ball in play, and then let our defense take care of the rest, and that works if you have a good defense, but um, that always isn't the case. You know, a couple guys get hurt, and then you're putting, you know, bench guys on there, and they they just don't field as well. And so they're starting to slowly get into this idea of, of more strikeout guys, where you might walk a few more people, but they have power, what they call power stuff. You know, um, good downward playing from tall guys who can uh, throw with heat and who can hopefully, you know, use their fastball and their, and their off-speed stuff to actually get hitters to strike out rather than put the ball in play. In in one respect, uh, and I mean, I you know, it's it's absolutely true. They've had this this lack of strikeout throwers. I mean, you got to go back to Johan and and uh, early Liriano, uh, early Liriano. Yeah. Um, but it, in a way, it does seem though like that's what everybody wants. So yeah. by focusing on those other aspects, you are sort of in a way, you could say, in a Moneyball sort of way, exploiting a market inefficiency where people who do just throw strikes and don't walk guys are maybe a little undervalued. Um, True, and, and you do have to have guys who, who strike people out in your rotation. Yeah, but I do think, as a general philosophy, I don't think it's necessarily a bad philosophy to to, to focus on guys who just throw strikes and don't walk guys. No, know? and I'm not. That's not necessary. Yeah, would every club like to have a starting rotation of five guys who are all you know six five and can strike a bunch of people out? Of course, but when you it seems like they've been tilting toward the very bottom of of that barrel. You know, you don't need. Uh, like, well, and Kevin Coria would be an, uh, exemplify that. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And there are 20 other pitchers they could sign this year besides Kevin Correa who could uh, who strike out maybe a little bit more. Like you're not you're not going to get a guy who strikes out 10 per nine for your, you know one through five. That's just not you, we can't all have David Price you know on every team. Um, so it, it's it's not it's not so much the philosophy that they're going for it's the way they execute it where they seem to be just drudging the bottom of the barrel and and you and you're correct in that you know you're going to have to have guys who can put the ball in play and let the defense do some work behind you but you know um it's it if you're if the difference between your fastball and your changeup is 4 miles an hour instead of 10 miles an hour when they put the ball in play they're going to hit it hard you know what i mean like the idea is to put the ball in play but try and keep it in the infield and that was the idea, you know, that's that's the the big um, magnetism towards, like, sinker ballers because they can keep the ball low in the strike zone, and so when you do make contact, you keep it in the infield theoretically. Uh, well, and like you said, you got to play defense too. And right. that's just something the Twins have struggled with the last few years. Yeah, so. infield, de- well, for I don't remember the last shortstop they had that, that was really a sure, sure. Hardy? I mean, Hardy was pretty good. He He, it depends, I mean, defensive metrics are so... Are so hit and miss sometimes, but yeah, he was a sure-handed shortstop. Well, he wasn't flashy, but you know what I mean. He was. Well, that's the difference, right? Because you can have even in the outfield, if you have a guy who makes a diving catch in center field, people say, "Oh, that was a great catch." Where maybe four other guys and four other teams would have already been under the ball and just made it look like a routine play. And so you say, "Well, they're not at you know the first guy's better at defense because he makes these flashy plays." Well, if you're quick enough and you take a good enough route on the ball to get there before you have to make. A fancy play, you know, then then you're kind of undervalued, and and that goes in the infield too, you know, shortstops. Um, well, that's what kept Derek Jeter winning all those Gold Gloves is all those off balance throws, you know, that he does barehanded. Yeah. Whereas a, you know, 
uh, Andrew Tim Simmons would just get in front of that ball. Like it would just be routine for him because he's really quick on his feet and he's not 100 years old and he can get in front of that ball and get it to first without making it look flashy. 100 years old. We had some Derek Jeter hating going on. I don't hate Derek Jeter. No, I Show a picture of his house, Tony. Okay, sorry. It's not so much Derek Jeter. It's the fact that he keeps winning gold gloves yes, every yes. year, and he just shouldn't, and it's okay. Like, and that's he, not Derek Jeter's fault. That's it's the not his people fault. who award the gold gloves' fault. He's 38, and he's playing shortstop as best as he can, and it's not his fault that people keep praising him, uh, but... The love has just gone but way too far it. in him. Stop praising him. Yeah, just let's stop giving him defensive awards when he is statistically one of the worst defensive shortstops in the league. That's all. So, and not, not to take away from the Twins itself, but, you know, we have a couple of farm league teams that are now within driving distance, right? They moved their AAA affiliate this year, is that right? The uh, AA affiliate moved from uh, Beloit to Iowa. Okay. And so, yeah, so any anytime you have an excuse not to go to Beloit is, is a great <laughs> excuse. <laughs> Uh, but or yeah, Iowa the, instead. Right. I mean, <laughs> but uh, the the team is closer, and they're going to have some some good talent at Double A this year. If you want to get out there, um, you know, well, Miguel Sano is going to be there. Who is? Oh, he's supposed to be in Double A this year. I believe so. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He he may move up to to Triple, uh, but he's so young. I think he's still only nineteen, yeah. or, and he's going. I think this is he's going to turn twenty this season. But um, yeah, he's he's a guy. If you haven't gone out to see him. I mean, you're going to see him when he makes it to the bigs. But if you want to see a young, just monster, raw talent, I mean, he's 6'4", yeah. 220, 230. They have him at third base now. The Yankees the other day, and he did, he did pretty well against the Yankees. He, he had two hits that game. Yeah, yeah, he he did okay. He's um he's cutting down on his strikeouts as well. I mean, he's it's, he got signed when he was 16, you know, and I don't care how good you are. If you're 16, you're going to be overmatched for a little while. But um, he's starting to turn it around and probably 25. 15, I mean, maybe the tail end of, no, it's got to be at least 2015, I would say, before he's brought up, um, especially for service time considerations because they don't want to pay him that much to begin with. But, um, yeah, he's going to be good. Eddie Rosario will probably be in double-A uh, as well. So if you can make it down to Iowa, you can see some some talent. It'll be mostly in the field. You won't see a lot of, of pitching talent uh, at double-A. But, you know, it's I can't remember how far it is. It's not more than four or five hours. So yeah. you can take a trip. Ah, uh, yeah. Take a trip. <laughs> take a trip to Iowa. All right, we're gonna. That, that's that's our kind of primer on the twins. We're gonna come back in a minute talking to David, and we're gonna ask him a little bit more about his podcast and uh, how he thinks about podcasting and uh, sports reporting in the in the world we've got today. And so, come on right back, and we'll listen to a little bit more with David Temple. Welcome back to the Left of Men Radio Hour on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. Today we're talking baseball with David Temple, who has a, has a podcast, Stealing Home. He also writes for Not Graphs. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and well, so we, we haven't had a chance to, to you know, let people know how to find your stuff. So, so where can they find your stuff? Uh, podcast you can find at stealinghome.org. Um, on the right-hand side, there are uh, links for the RSS feed or for iTunes. And then um, there's a... a Every episode, there's a post, you know, where if you just want to download it directly or listen to it. Um, and then uh, on the writing side, I do most of my writing at, like you said, Notgraphs, which is uh, an extension, a whimsical extension of, of Fangraphs, which is a pretty um, uh, hardcore analytical site. But they do something on the side more for um, more for right brain type people. And so there's a, so that's at Fangraphs.com/slash/not. 
but you can just go to Fangraphs and, and see all. You should go to there anyway because it's a great website. But you can find my stuff over there on the right hand side in the Knockgraph section. Um, so tell us about that. So I, I've had a chance to listen to a couple of episodes of your podcast, mm-hmm. and uh, I guess my take on it was like Radio Lab for baseball, kind of. Yeah, I, I have a background in public radio, and um, it's a, not just a medium, but a, a style that always appealed to me, um, and I've been listening to it for those kind of shows for a long time. So it's a it's a long form show. It involves um, uh, longer interviews and then also some audio stories, but it's all based around uh, baseball. And um, so we've we try to do sort of a, a theme for for each show. So we've done one loosely based around statistics and 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 music. And um, we have an upcoming one that's looking kind of uh, at violence in the game, um, mm-hmm. you know, different different manifestations of that. Um, it's uh, yeah, it's it's an interesting exercise in in trying to take a single subject and and make interesting content about it. And I think. I think it's been going pretty good so far. Uh, I've been lucky enough to to get some interviews with some really interesting people, yeah. and also get some some you know either essays or stories from um, from really good uh, writers. So uh, so far so good. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback on it, and uh, you know it's trending up. So that's always a good thing. Good. Yeah, that uh, I I guess the, the the one feature about it that I I think is is kind of fun is the MVP of my heart. Yeah, that's kind of my. Uh, it's kind of the sign off, the send off for the show where I, I pick, you know, um, especially now in a, you know, in a 24 hour news cycle, sometimes you you lose things or you just never see it and it just kind of goes away. And, and things with history stuff, too, that I'm, I, I've been making a push, you know, for the last uh, over a year or so, even before the podcast started to ingratiate myself more with the history of the game, stuff that I um just passed up, you know, when, when you start, when you become a fan, you know, in the, in the eighties and nineties, that's what you focus on. And you remember that stuff, but there's so much stuff that happened just in the seventies, you know, not even to think about the turn of the century kind of things. And so I've been, I've been looking at that stuff more and there are a lot of great stories that I've never heard. And then I think if I've never heard these, there's a pretty good chance that other people haven't heard them. So I pick a, I pick a player or a manager or something, um, that, deserves a second look and uh and so that section's called the the mvp of my heart when i tell them about the last one i i, I really love that story about um uh 1970 and um a pitcher who threw a whole a, a complete game no hitter while tripping on lsd oh yeah uh doc ellis um <laughs> i had never heard this story before <laughs> yeah doc ellis was a pitcher he um there was some sort of scheduling mishap this is in the 70s and he thought he had to pitch basically a day later than he did. And so on his, he thought he had an off day and then a day where he didn't pitch and then he had to pitch. And it turned out to be it was an off day and then he had to pitch. So in the middle of his off day, he decided to drop acid and then uh, woke up and dropped more acid. And, uh, <laughs> and then, the 70s. Yeah, yeah. And so he was apparently staying at his friend's girlfriend's house. or so, I don't know. He uh, details are a little sketchy. But she basically <laughs> kicks him awake and says, hey, you have to pitch today. Like it's you know today's Thursday or whatever you got to go pitch, and so he somehow got to the stadium and uh, threw a no hitter, <laughs> which is just perfect. Like he was he I mean he said he couldn't he was seeing two batters sometimes he was hallucinating and just he had flop sweats and you could there's there there isn't video but there are some still photos that you can find if you look and I mean he's an African American gentleman but it's uh, 
he's as pale as an African American guy can be, <laughs> and he is just sweaty, and it's just it looks like he's just having a real bad time. And uh, but he went nine innings. He ended. I, I forgot him. He struck out five and and walked four or something like that. But it's technically a no hitter. It, it was uh, like it reminded me of uh, Liriano's no hitter, where he had a dirty. similar sort of performance. Yeah, real dirty no hitter. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing about no hitters. You know, it's. Uh, if you look at maybe the stats or you look at, you know, Bill James' game score or something like that, it may not be the prettiest thing that ever happened, but technically nobody got a hit. <laughs> and so, you, you know, I mean, people have thrown no hitters and lost, you know, because a guy can reach on an error, you know, a couple of errors and then get driven home on a, you know, on a sacrifice fly or something. So it's a little kind of a, you know, it's a stat that, that people like, writers like it, and fans, I do too, you know, who, who am I to kid? But, uh, yeah, Doc Ellis, uh, Proves that you don't always have to be on your A game yeah. <laughs> to throw no hitter. Like, like David Wells, but only with uh, with LSD instead yeah. of alcohol. Yeah, yeah, so. instead of alcohol and and uh, and pounds of meat, because I'm sure that he, <laughs> David Wells liked to eat. Still does. That's a great. That's a great example of the kind of story that you share on the in the podcast. I like that a lot. Yeah, it's it's one of those things. I mean, more people know about that, uh, but uh, yeah, I just like finding those little stories because. You know, baseball, it's 162 games that last all summer and now into the fall, you know, pretty, pretty heavily. And, uh, and there are little, you know, so, you know, such and such a team won and, you know, the other guys lost and there's a lot of that in there, but there are, there's narrative to be found just, you know, real close to the surface because it is, uh, it's, it goes for so long and it's been around for so long that, and that's what I focus on on the show, um, you know, at, on, on a whole. I, I do a little bit of a new segment just to kind of keep people, up to date if for whatever reason they haven't, but um, keep up, keep them up to date, uh, you know, on the on the news. But then it's more about, you know, the other stuff that goes on. There's so much other stuff that goes on um, in the game or, or or tangential to the game, and so um, that's what I like to focus on rather than you know who won, who lost, who's bad, who's good, that kind of thing. Because there's plenty of stuff out there, and a lot of it's really good, but there's just so much of it. I I, I don't see how I can provide value to that, so I, I try to take it a different way. Well, and that and that same that was from your science uh, episode, right? Mm-hmm. The, the Doc Ellis thing, and in that same one, you talked to Will Carroll from Baseball Prospectus about like, you know, the science of injuries and stuff like that. And then uh, I don't remember the name of the guest, but uh, he was talking about uh, batted ball data and looking at uh, uh, visuals of batted ball and trying to figure out how a bat or how a ball struck a bat. Yeah, or and, uh, Alan Nathan, okay. uh, Doctor Alan Nathan, excuse me, uh, Professor Emeritus at at Illinois. Uh, is a physics professor and has been studying physics for a long time. And he actually took a a physics look at baseball um, to see why certain things happened um, from a scientific standpoint. Uh, And he does a lot of really interesting research. And, yeah, we did – we kind of covered different sides of science. So we took a look at weather and how that can affect uh, uh, baseball and also talked to Will Carroll about injuries and more of the biology side and, and what's going on in that field. Well, and thanks very much for joining us today, David. Really appreciate it. It's a really ch- good chance to have a in-depth conversation, both about the twins' future, yeah. but also, you know, what the kind of podcast is that you do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad to be on. Thanks for having me. All right. Um, you've been listening to the Left Amend Radio Hour, kind of an unusual Left Amend Radio Hour, on AM 950, the Progressive Voice of Minnesota. Um, we've been here every week, sponsored by Left.MN, and we're signing off for now. But thank you for listening, and we'll see you soon.